Well, 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 let's get into it. The markets have been through a lot in these past five years. The pandemic, the sky-high inflation, the long aggressive run of interest rate hikes. That is a very tough period in which to evaluate any investment's performance nonetheless. Today, we're going to go over 10 buy and hold forever funds. That's the way they're marketed. That's the way they're sold. Supposedly, you're supposed to be able to buy these funds and just sit tight forever. These funds suggested back in 2019 by a range of experts, and they were first posted by a post in Finivise, one of the sources that I gather some information from. And these funds have held up okay, but with one making more money over the another, and it's been such a rocky time, I thought it would be a decent idea to look back at these funds. Recently, Finn went back to check on those portfolios. These are professionally managed funds that most investors can get kind of depending on the country that you live in and they were designed to be forever so if anybody's went back and looked how these funds are doing from 2019 up here to now 2024 there are some underperformers there are some medium performers and there's just some right in the middle so today we're going to look at the last five years of these forever funds see if there's anything for us to glean from this information is this segment of the market worth looking at in terms of investment for our portfolios these promise no sector rotation no rebalancing no need to really look at anything just buy right and sit tight. And some of these funds may or not be available to all investors without opening a brokerage firm in that company. For instance, number one, I really wanted to buy. However, I do not live in the United Kingdom. So it's becoming a little difficult for me. Okay. So that being said, here are 10 forever funds. We're going to look at the quick summary of each fund and the past performance from the last five years. You're listening to This Is Investing, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Well, let's get into it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The first fund we're looking at has been on my radar for a while. Not necessarily the fund itself, but the fund manager. Terry Smith is a manager that I respect and I try to emulate in my stock picking So let's jump in and take a look at number one, Fundsmith Equity. None of these 10 funds beat the global stock market over the last five years. However, Fundsmith Equity, a core recommendation of Interactive Investors' Super 60 list, came kind of close. And it's particularly impressive when you consider this. Fundsmith prevents its manager from investing in U.S. technology mega caps. If you know anything about U.S. technology mega caps, the Magnificent Seven have driven a huge percentage of the both global growth, the S&P 500 growth, and a lot of the NASDAQ 100 growth. So with fund manager Terry Smith not allowing them to get into United States mega cap tech funds, the fact that he favors high quality, resilient global growth companies that are good value, it leads him mainly into healthcare and consumer stocks. He snaps up easy-to-understand businesses that he can buy without overpaying, and that has proven to be successful and resilient. I've been tracking him for quite a while, and really he has, I don't know, he he has his own theory, but it's like this base off of uh, a Warren Buffett-style equity purchasing approach. So like Warren Buffett, Smith says his ideal holding period is forever. 
ever. And this fund retains its place as a buy and hold forever fund, and it is number one on this list. Number two of these forever funds is Dimensional World Equity. The second best performer of the group over the last five years, Dimensional World Equity Fund, uses their, quote, fund advisor's passive plus approach of tracking markets with a tilt towards smaller, cheaper, and more profitable companies, a la a, dip it into a little Peter Lynch's approach. But the iShares Core MSCI World ETF is a more straightforward portfolio building on top of this particular style. It's outperformed the dimensional fund over all periods and is a smidge cheaper it is 0.2% a year versus 0.25% a year for dimensional world equity. So if you're looking for something that has a whole global approach, actually the iShares Core MSCI World ETF has beaten the more actively managed dimensional world equity fund. So you could think about using that. However, the dimensional world equity fund has proven fairly well. It's a soundly constructed and reasonable representative portfolio, and it's well positioned to carry on its streak, according to Morningstar. Morningstar thinks it's going to beat its peers across the category in the future. Numero tres. I just came back from Costa Rica. I'm lurking my Spanish. It's not great. Let's move on. Impacts environmental markets. Patrick Thomas, who is the head of ESG investments at Genuity Wealth Management, has recommended the IPAX Environment Market Ord. He said this five years ago. He should be buying this fund, and he's sticking with it. He says it's a great means to capitalize on long-term growth of a green economy. This has been kind of a hot topic recently. People are either pro-ESG funds, which are like environmentally friendly funds, or they're not really because a lot of times they say that they're environmentally friendly, but like what does that even mean? It's almost like buying organic. You don't really know who's certifying this kind of thing. However, this particular fund, the Impacts Environmental Markets, has had poor performance over the last two years. But to be fair, so has basically every environmentally friendly fund. When you look at solar, when you look at lithium, when you look at all these different things, they've all had difficult times rebounding from the highs of the 20 and 21. And a lot of the most recent underperformance, as the fund manager points out, can be attributed to the assets that Impacts didn't own over the last five years. Namely, it didn't own any of the magnificent seven tech stocks in 2023, and it didn't own any energy stocks in 2022. When you're an environmentally friendly fund, these are the kind of things you you stay away from. And that is one factor, says the fund manager. However, the market's habit of generally pushing small and mid-sized firms is another. Nonetheless, he says, the environmental challenges the world faces have not gone away, so the relatively weak global investment sentiment could be changing, ESG funds could become in favor soon, and perhaps now is an opportunity to buy the dip. Maybe, maybe not. Do your own research to find out. Number four of our forever funds, T. Rowe Price Frontier Markets Equity Fund. Producing middle-of-the-pack performance, the inheritedly risky T. Rowe Price Frontier Markets Fund. Like when you think of frontier markets, you got to think of Daniel Boone, the old American pioneer, crossing the great 50 states, not knowing what he was going to come in contact with. He's frontiering. He's getting into markets of unknown exposure. So the frontier markets, how did it do for the last five years? EQ investors have had a look at the list and they've noted that it's lack of thematic play. I've had a few investments podcasts on thematic style investing. That is when you kind of see a larger mega cap trend and you get into that kind of strategy. For instance, in 2020, you could have bought up a few different pharmaceutical stocks hoping that the building of the coronavirus vaccine was going to boost those stocks forward and voila, it did. 
and you would have made a lot of money. So the naysayers on the T. Rowe Price Frontier Markets Fund say they are not getting into thematic investment enough. So on the recommendation of one of the assistant portfolio managers at EQ, they've decided that the T. Rowe Price Markets equity has not proven itself worthy over the last five years. And if you're interested in this type of thing, you should buy the iShares Digital Security ETF. They say that in a world that is becoming increasingly data-focused, digital security is a must, and Bonin, the assistant portfolio manager and his team, like the business model of several software-oriented companies, which typically have a high degree of recurring high revenues, high margin, and sustainable rates of growth. So, number four, T. Rowe Price Markets Equity, wah, wah, wah. According to Finivise, stay away. Let's get on to number five of our top 10 forever funds of the last five years. The Federated Hermes Impact Opportunity Equity. God, you got to love the names of some of these suckers. Like, can they just say moneymaker fund? Like, do they have to get so weird? Anyway, let's move on. Collier Chivon, who's the fund manager and analyst, suggests that the Federated Hermes Impact Opportunities Equity Fund five years ago was a great start. But they've removed the fund from coverage shortly after when the fund manager, Tim Crockford, took a job elsewhere. A little side note, something to think about. If you buy into a fund, great example, Fidelity Magellan Fund, for many, many years, dominated the market. They beat the market by 30% a year for, I think, like 12 to 15 years when fund manager was Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch in the mid-90s was like, this is enough stress for me. I've made my money. I've made tons of money. I'm stepping out. He still was working as a board member for Fidelity, but he was no longer the number one portfolio manager for the Magellan Fund. What happened? The Magellan Fund kind of got boring. It kind of got flat. It kind of got stale. It lost a little bit of that suave that Peter Lynch brought to the fund. Same thing can happen to any fund. So if you are in a fund that is managed by a hot shot investment portfolio manager, you need to make sure if that manager leaves, you might want to rethink your position in that fund. And that's what happened here. They said that Crockford, the fund manager here, set up a new firm, the Reagan Global Equity and Impact Solutions Fund, and they left the current company. And therefore, the fund kind of pooped out. And his other fund, the fund that he moved to, did a lot better than his old fund. What do you know? He was the one making all the good decisions. And like other funds on this list, the Reagan Fund has lagged world stock markets because it doesn't hold traditional energy or big tech. Again, not necessarily a bad thing. It's just what they're not focused on. The fund is focused on sustainable themes, which aren't gaining much traction. So it says, is this a buy the hold? We'll let you figure that out. That is five down. We got five to go. Let's take a quick break before we examine the last five. We will be right back. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to This Is Investing. We're on fund number six of kind of a review of the last five years. So these buy and hold forever funds came out in 2019, and there was many different hype, a lot of kind of uh, speculation behind these different funds. Some of them aim at different selections of the group. And so far, we are on number six. The first five, none of them beat the market. However, Terry Smith's Fund Smith Equity Fund was the closest, which is very impressive considering he didn't invest at all in the Magnificent Seven. So he has proven, I think, is worth of finding the needle in the haystack in regards to you don't need to be involved in the top seven biggest companies in the world to generate some great returns. Let's see if the next six have any shot. Number six on the Buy and Forever Fund, Finsbury Growth and Income. It has been a tough time for fund manager Nick Train. His quality growth style fell out of fashion and some of his stock picks notably uh, Hargreaves, Lansdowne, and the Burberry Group have led to lackluster returns. It's like you think purchasing things is easy. I don't know if you have picked up on one of the themes in the last four or five years, but buying fancy pants, bourgeois, expensive stocks has been all the vogue. If you bought Hermes, if you bought Louis Vuitton, if you bought, what is that, expensive makeup company? I'm totally blanking. Estee Lauder. If you bought Ferrari, if you bought Porsche, those five stocks have been on a rip. So homeboy over at the Finsbury Growth and Income Fund, Nick Tran's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I'll buy the Burberry Group. Well, you picked wrong. All those other competitors of Burberry doing very well. Burberry, lackluster returns. In fact, the UK Equity Income Trust has underperformed all share cover compared to its group in the last five years. That's the problem with having a very concentrated portfolio. When your top 10 investments are kicking butt, so are you. When, however, they're not doing well, it leaves very little room for error. There is something to be said, and I've actually said on this podcast that Warren Buffett says that diversification is for people who don't know the stock market, which is perfectly fine. If you don't know the stock market and you don't know how to value a business, buy an S&P 500 index fund or something similar to that, and you'll be fine. But if you fancy yourself someone who should be a stock picker and knows businesses like Warren Buffett does, like this investment advisor Nick Train does and these other global managers, then it shouldn't be all that hard and you shouldn't need diversification according to Warren Buffett. However, number six on our list, Finsbury Growth and Income, is our warning because 10 of his investments accounted for more than 80% of the fund. And when those 10 didn't do great, either did his portfolio. He has a strong track record overall. However, for the last five years, Finsbury Growth and Income has been an underperformer and not on Finavise's recommended list. Number seven, Capital Gearing. Capital Gearing Fund is a multi-asset investment trust with a capital preservation mandate. When you give them their money, they don't want to lose your money. Well, it is disappointed over the past few years, particularly when viewed against stubbornly high inflation. 
And losing money over the past 12 months when inflation was lower is especially galling, said James Carthew, head of investment companies at Quoted Data. But the two main factors that make capital gearing an unavoidable, he says, the first was the fact that rising interest rates hit the valuation of the longer dated inflation-linked government bonds. So if you're invested in government bonds, you should have basically seen inflation knocking at the door and made changes. The second was the general wide need of investment trust discounts, which hit its portfolio of investment companies pretty hard. A core contingent of the fund's Super 60, the fund remains what is quote-unquote a long-term buy and hold, basically because what are you going to do if you own capital gearings and you're invested on the wrong side of the inflationary trend? You can either A, cut your losses, or B, cross your fingers that the management team is going to turn it around. And that's kind of the hope for everybody holding the capital gearing fund. Last thing here, Carthew added that a broadening of those trust discounts should, quote, rectify itself in time. The classic line from an underperforming fund manager. I know what I'm doing. Please stick with me. Thank you very much. So number seven, capital gearing, no bueno. Number eight, Fidelity Emerging Markets Fund. It has been a core holding for this particular analyst, Mr. Yearling, for many years. Unfortunately, the past few haven't been easy. The Fidelity's emerging markets has followed the other emerging markets, which have generally had a rough time. I had some personal bummer with this a little bit. I didn't own the Fidelity emerging markets. However, when in, what, 2022, when the United States growth stocks were down, typically the thought is, as United States tech companies and growth stocks are going down, that might be the time to rotate into emerging markets. So I did. I bought an emerging market ETF, and it is basically like negative 1% over the last two years. When the tech stocks came roaring back and had to just put it in like a NASDAQ QQQ, it'd be up like 55% instead of down negative 1%. Anyway, enough of my pain. Let's move back to Fidelity Emerging Markets. So emerging markets have had a generally rough time. China has dragged much of Asia down with it. China has been brutal investing in the last couple months. I'm working on a podcast right now on China versus India. Stay tuned for that one. But this fund, the Fidelity's Emerging Market, has been suffered as well because a reasonable chunk of this were Russian stocks. And when Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, wah, 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 Fidelity stock took a dump. So if you think China... And Russia are on the rebound. Maybe look at Fidelity's merged markets. If you don't, stay away. Number nine, two to go of the top 10 performing hold forever ETFs, according to Finivise. Number nine is the Premier Milton UK Smaller Companies Fund. Finivise says that fortune has not favored smaller companies in recent years, and the premier Minton UK Smaller Companies Fund has suffered more than most. And it's not surprising considering the fund's underperformance of the FTSE 250 index had everybody looking for a different alternative. To fit the bill, McDermott at Fund Calibre suggested Lion Trust UK Smaller Companies, which has beaten the premier Minton small companies by 30% over the last five years. So its main competitor, Lion Trust UK, has beaten the Minton UK smallers by 30% over the last five years. The Lion Trust has a clear, well-thought-out investment philosophy, and they've executed with diligence and skill, says Anthony Cross. However, the fund's emphasis on quality stocks rather than cyclical ones has worked particularly well with small companies and resulted in strong gains and risk-adjusted performance. That's 
positive news about the Lion Trust. However, what this list was tracking was the Premier Mitten one, not so good. If you're looking for small companies in the United Kingdom that might provide large growth opportunities, this list says check out Lion Trust UK, not Premier Mitten UK. All right, let's wrap this up and I'll give some thoughts. The Bayer Gifford Global Discovery Fund is at the bottom of these 10 funds. It's the only fund of the 10 to have lost your money over the last five years. So the other nine may have been flat or may have been lackluster, may not have beat the benchmark that they're going against, but Bayer Gifford Global Discovery actually lost you money. This fund invests on a five to 10 year time window and is based on smaller companies operating in industries with potential for structural change and innovation. Sounds like Kathy Wood's ARC fund. The Fund Calvary says it retains its quote-unquote elite rating on this particular fund with an important caveat. McDermott says that the fund has a place in long-term holdings in a balanced portfolio, but it's only a buy-and-hold forever asset if it's quote, actively and consistently rebalanced, which it goes against the entire point of having a buy-and-hold forever fund is you're not supposed to have to do that. The point of these funds was to give investors something easy, something they can trust, something that's at least passively, if not fully actively managed so that you as the individual investor can buy this one time and let it ride. And this analyst who's looking at these 10 funds says the only way to do it with this last fund is actually if you yourself go in and rebalance. He says it tends to have outsized performance during bull markets and accused losses during risk-off markets. Investors should use these pockets to extreme alpha to take profits. So if you're interested in a fund that does well when everything's doing well, buy this fund. Or don't, because everything's doing well in that particular situation. That's so hilarious. Why would you buy a fund that only does well in bull markets? Doesn't sound like a great investment. I myself am not truly convinced on any of these particular 10 funds, but as I mentioned at the beginning, I am interested in Terry Smith. So if you're in the UK, or if Australia has the opportunity to buy Smith equity funds, that is something that I've been looking into for a while. Uh, I would try to mimic Terry Smith, who runs the Fundsmith Equity Fund. I think his um, degree of investing, the types of companies he searches for, the way he tries to find intrinsic value in companies is top-notch. He will find companies that have great margins and great balance sheets, and those companies continue to outperform markets year over year, no matter what's going on. So I like Terry Smith. I can't buy the Fundsmith Equity Fund in America, unfortunately. And it doesn't look like you want to be focusing in on any of these particular funds. What you want to focus in on as an individual investor is what companies do you understand? What markets do you understand? Are you doing a core and satellite approach? Like majority of my investing happens within 80% of an ETF portfolio that's based on the total stock market. And then I do play around. I goof around. I try to find some smaller either sector ETFs or individual stocks to round that out because I can't help myself. I'm very interested in investing and I want to outpace the market, even if it's to my own demise. So maybe don't follow my strategy. Find one that works for you and hope it goes well. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to This Is Investing the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. We'll see you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand, This Is Investing, is used under license. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.